in, in not such, so much a top-down way, you know, preachers up, up on the stage with the lights shining. But there is, there is 360 leadership here where you lead from the side and from below. And, and uh, so that's, that's invaluable in the lives of we need one another. Right, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, and we need one another. And I'm excited by you, and I've learned from you. I've learned so very much this this uh, last couple of days, just from you, just from watching me and praise the Lord, and unafraid, and unashamed, and unabashed, and uh, to praise the Lord. And I've learned things just talking to people in the hallways, and just having insights dropped in on me. I've learned a lot. I've learned um, seeing men praise God like the lights are off, right? <laughs> right? Like nobody's watching, really. And uh, that's encouraging to me. We learn from one another. As our brothers already said, we teach and admonish one another. And so that's a wonderful thing. You can't, can't substitute that in the body of Christ and with men. We need that. Men hear the voices of other men. And that's why we need to be speaking into each other's lives. It's so very, very powerful. I hadn't talked, planned on talking about this this morning, but I want to talk about uh, something out of Matthew chapter number 11. So find your Bibles in the book of Matthew chapter number 11. And I want to talk about a character in the Bible that we know very well and may not know at all, really. And that is John the Baptist, John the Baptist. And I want to just look at this passage in Matthew chapter number 11. And, and not so much preach, but just kind of like let's go through the passage and let's glean some things and let's think about some things as men. In this last session, now we're going home and, uh, and, and I, I, I think that the afterglow and the, and the realness and the richness of what's happened over the last couple of days will, will go with us. And as was already said, and Bo just said, hey, take this home, take this back to your church. Um, you know, we can't stay out here on this mountain. Right. Have to come back down where there's real life. And uh, Jesus came down off the mountain with Peter, James and John. And down at the mountain, sure enough, was a man who had a demon possessed son. Right. Hey, can I give you something that's just a suggestion uh, that 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 I think I've observed that that ministry, if you want to talk about ministry, Ministry is that which exists for the church. Ministry for the church, ministry for the Christian is that opportunity that exists between the majesty of God on the mountain and the misery of man in the valley. Majesty, misery, and ministry exist. The opportunity for ministry exists between those two poles. Jesus on the mountain in his resplendent glory and man in his misery. And bringing man to that place to where he beholds God in his majesty. That's, that's where ministry exists. And so Jesus up on the mountain and he brings these men back down and there's a man who has a demon-possessed son and the devil's trying to kill this boy. That man is a great study of what a man looked like, by the way. Has a demon-possessed son and he brings him to Jesus. 
And we know the reality of that. We're going to leave this place. We're going to go back to places, back to our homes and back to our jobs and back to our neighborhoods and all this where there are real problems exist. But we're to be God's man in the field. You're God's man in the field. You're God's man for that place. So, let's look here at Matthew chapter number 11, okay? And I'm going to read down to verse number uh, 11. It says here, and I'm reading the old King James Version here. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities, now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out unto the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily, I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Um, I wanted, I, I got to thinking this morning about what our closing session would be. How we would do this closing session, and I thought this would be good. And I just want to share a few things out of this passage, okay? Now, uh, about John the Baptist that maybe we can glean out of here and take. And I, I really, I think I want to call this how to have a bout with doubt. Because John the Baptist, Jesus said there's none greater than John the Baptist, born of women. As, as, as natural men go, men born of women, none greater than John the Baptist. And Remember, we said there's very little difference in men, but what little difference there is makes all the difference. So the truth of the matter is there's very little difference between you and John the Baptist. There's very little difference between me and John the Baptist. But what little difference there is makes a tremendous difference. Jesus says he was a great man. And none born of women were greater than John Baptist. 
Just let your mind work on that. Some great men has been born in the world. But Jesus, who is truth, the truth, says, those born of women, none greater than John the Baptist. And uh, as I read through this, this passage of scripture, there, there are four things that kind of like jump out at me. And I may, you may want to write these down. Number one, about, about great men. Uh, number one, great men will be different. Great men will be different. Very little difference between men, but what little difference there is makes a great big difference. John was really the same as you and me in many respects, but he was different. And, and it is always true that it is the difference that makes the difference. Right? You got hired because you do things because of the difference. If everybody could do what you do, you wouldn't be necessary. But you've been gifted, you've been taught, you've been, and so it's that difference that makes the difference. And John was different. He was an ascetic. He was a, he was a man who was wholly given to God. He didn't live with the creature comforts that, that most men like and enjoy. He was perfectly good without those things. He was different in his demeanor. He was different in his deportment. He was different in his dress. He was different in his diet. He was a different kind of dude. He was a godly man, but he was different from Jesus even. Right? And people recognize that. He's He's different. And I find this out about great men. Great men will be different. You, you just can't. I mean, I mean, that's going to be something that makes you different and you're going to aspire to the things that are higher and nobler and you cannot run with the crowd and walk with God. And it just makes you different. Um, they thought John the Baptist was demon possessed. They thought he had a, had a demon. Jesus even said, Jesus said, listen, what shall I liken this generation to? It's further over in the passage. He says, what shall I like? He says, John the Baptist, he doesn't come. He doesn't come eating and drinking. John doesn't come to your parties. John don't come to your wedding. You don't, folk didn't invite John to that kind of stuff. Can you imagine that? Trying to ease up to the head. Today he is over in the corner, got on that camel coat skin. <laughs> Big old leather belt. Right? Locusts and honey in his mouth. It says, hey, nice party, huh? Repent! 
he said. <laughs> they thought, man, this guy, I mean, and you find this out. And I'm not just saying he wanted to be a weirdo. I'm just simply saying he was, he was a one, he had a one-track mind. Paul was this way, a one-track mind. This one thing I do, not these 10 things I'm dabbling with. A one-track mind, and he was different. And I've, since I've been Christians, I've seen Christian men who were just different. They didn't laugh at what everybody else laughed at. They didn't, I mean, didn't walk around with an accusing finger pointed in anybody's face. It was just different. And in the economy of God, great men will be different. That's how it goes. John was different. But not only that, as I think about John's life and I read through, um, second thing is this, write this down. Great men must have daring. Must have daring. That is, must, must have boldness. Right? Not some namby-pamby, lily-livered kind of guy. I'm not talking about some obnoxious jerk. But I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit of boldness. John not only was different, he was daring. John was the kind of person who would, um, who would speak truth to power. John Baptist was the kind of guy who would say to the Sadducees and Pharisees and the religious order, you bunch of snakes. You've bound people up with your religious synthetics. They're so bound. You bunch of hypocrites. What y'all come out to the baptism for? You didn't come to Repent and be baptized. You just come to monitor conformity. Say, you bunch of vipers. These were the, this was the religious order. This was the, these were the power brokers. The religious power brokers. These were the dudes who, when they walked down the sidewalk, everybody else got off the sidewalk. These were the religious muckety-mucks. Who squeaked when they walk? Impressive. I was saying someone out there in the hall. I think it was Ortberg who said, "Men can you can strive to be impressive or known. Being known is being open and honest and intimate. Or impressive, nobody knows you. Because once people get to know you, they ain't impressed with you." 
You know what I'm talking about? So no matter I'm going to walk around all weekend, all week, trying to be impressive or to be known. These men wanted to be impressive. John the Baptist wasn't impressed. You vipers. He had daring. He would say to Herod, yes, Herod, it's unlawful for you to take your brother's wife. Who you think you are? Herod had a brother named Philip and he was married to a girl named Herodias and Herod wanted Herodias and so he just goes and take his brother's wife and John Baptist says, Hey, you're wrong. Being the king doesn't give you the right. Being the governor, being the ruler, being the boss don't give you the right to do something as wrong as that, as egregious as that. That's wrong. And that's what daring is. See, daring will, will speak truth to power. And let me just say this to you. As we were talking last, um, one of these sessions about, about uh, our our cult, our culture. When God begins to grip a man's heart and begins to speak truth in him, truth makes us free, and we talk about being woke. We awake to righteousness. We begin to see my little old group and how wrong we are. Boldness is not me standing with my group talking about what's wrong with the group across the street. Boldness is me challenging the junk in my group. Whether my group is the church or the boys I run with, boldness is me saying, hey, that, ain't a, that racial joke ain't funny. Hey, I don't like that. That ain't right. Let's don't do that. Now, that's, that's going, you got to be different to do that. Most people go along to get along. You got to be different, and you got to be daring. Because when you begin to do that, you're going to find out you get nudged out of the group. And I found this out, man. People ain't bold enough to just, just stand up for Jesus by themselves. So, number one, great men will be different. Great men must have daring. The third thing is that great men may face difficulties. John is in prison. You know why he's in prison? Because he challenged power. He's in prison because Herodias hated him. And Herod hated him. And Herodias, this woman, she was looking for a chance to have his head. And she would eventually get it. A wicked woman who bring her daughter in on such an evil plot. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. How wicked must you be for that? But, but John was facing difficulty. In his life. Please. Let's.
be shaken free of this notion that somehow sailing with Jesus is smooth sailing all the way in. Friend, we ain't on the same boat. Right? Because the old ship of Zion ain't no pleasure craft. It's a battleship. Yeah. We're not on a playground. We're on a battleground. And there are difficulties that come into your life as a believer. Let me share this as a principle. We have, we have like the, the basically three kinds of storms or trouble or trials or difficulties. Right? Here's what I call them. Number one, common difficulties. Common difficulties. Common difficulties are the difficulties that come into your life because, we, because we've been born. And we live in a fallen world. And, and because we're all fallen people and we have a fallen president and a fallen governor and a fallen mayor and a, and a fallen society, that trouble comes, difficulties come. There is no difficulties. There is no trial. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is what? Common to man. Don't get the idea that Christianity is immunity from humanity. Just because you've been born, man that is born of woman is a few days and they're full of difficulty, full of trouble. Don't I'm a Christian now. I guess my, my, my water heater won't never bust. You out of your mind. <laughs> your house will flood. It'll burn too. And you'll get downsized and your kids get sick. So difficult. They're common difficulties. Number two, they are cause difficulties. Cause difficulties. You know what I mean? Caused. You caused them. Right? There's trouble that have come sometime in your life, guys, that you didn't have to have. You caused them. Like I preach on this thing called the, 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 the you know, this the storm, and, and, you know, Jonah had a caused storm. God says, go this way. Jonah says, I'm going that way. And God put an APB out on him. And that storm jumped on him. And Jonah was in a storm, not because he had to go through a storm. He went into a storm because he disobeyed. He, he invited difficulty in his life. Let me just tell you, when, when we, when, if you violate principle, expect difficulty. This ain't rocket science. You violate principle, 
expect difficulty. You violate financial principles, you can expect financial problems. You buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even know or like. You're going to have problems, money problems. You violate relationship principle, you're going to have relationship promise, problems. You can't be trusted. You don't keep your word. You, right? You are going to have relationship problems. And you cause them. You violate physical health principle. You're going to have some physical problems. So they're common trouble. They're cause trouble. But wait a minute. There are Christian troubles as well. That's the third one. There are some trouble, some difficulty you're going to have in your life because you are a Christian. That's what I was talking about with Joseph the other day, that test of persecution. Because you want to obey God, because you want to walk with God, because you live for Jesus, you're going to have some difficulties that other people don't have. You will. I call these Christian troubles because they're the trouble. That's what I believe Jesus meant about you take up your cross. A cross is anything in my life I have because I love Jesus. That thing that that some people say, well, you know, I got my mother-in-law. That's my cross to bear. Your mother-in-law ain't your cross. You married her daughter. A cross is that thing I take up. That torture rack that I take up because I want to walk with Jesus. And it's my cross. See that? By the way, two things Jesus tells us to take. Take up your cross, he says, and take my yoke. A yoke is for two. A cross is for one. He didn't say take my cross. Jesus' cross was a cross. He was going to die for your sins. My cross is the cross I bear because I love the one who died for my sins. Great men going to have difficulty. John is in trouble, but he's in good trouble because he is, he is being obedient to God. So far, what are my three points? Number one, great men will be different. Number two, great men must have daring. Number three, great men will face difficulty. Here is the, here's the fourth thing. Number four, great men may have doubts. Great men may have doubt. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I'm reading about a man right here who Jesus says was a great man, and yet right now 
He's having a bout with doubt. And every man will have it, I believe. Jesus asks us to believe, doubting nothing, and we ought to. And he under, but listen, he knows our frame. God knows our frame. He remembers we're but dust. And he knows in our humanity, man is going to have his doubts. You're going to have a bout with doubt like John has a bout with doubt. What is the bout with doubt? John is in prison. And he's, and he's, as it seems, would be languish away in prison. And he's hearing about these things about Jesus, but here he is in prison. And one of the things that the Messiah would do was set the captive free. <laughs> right? The, 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 those who were, who were in captivity because they loved Jesus, those who were captive with their sin, the Messiah is going to come and break the prison doors open. The Messiah is going to come and rescue this. And John, in present time, is in prison. And what's up with that? And so begins the bout with doubt. You say, how do, how do you know that John's not just asking a question he's trying to get from him? Listen to what Jesus said. John takes two of his disciples. He had disciples, right? Taught them to pray. Remember, the Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus had, John had disciples and he prayed and his prayer was real. It wasn't this, this phony baloney prayer like the Pharisees prayed out on the street corners to be impressed impressive to people. It was real prayer. And John taught his disciples to pray. John was a real man of prayer and a real man of faith and all that. And yet he was this great man having doubts. He takes two of his disciples. He says, hey, they, he hears all this stuff. He says, hey, go ask him. Is he really the one? Or should we be looking for another? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, John. I mean, you're John Baptist. Wasn't it you who said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness? John, wasn't it you who Jesus came to you and you said, hey, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be what? Baptizing me. John, wasn't it you who saw the dove descend upon him and heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. John, what do you mean are you the one? All those things notwithstanding, John is in prison and the bout with doubt. As good as he remembers and as well as he knows the story, he hears of Jesus and he sees Jesus. He says, behold the Lamb of God. John, wasn't that you? There he is, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He must increase, I must decrease. That you, John? What do you mean? Are you the one? Doesn't that seem incongruent? Doesn't that seem like it doesn't go? That John would be questioning this? Here's why. Because he's having a bout with doubt. 
And you know what about is? About is a struggle. I mean, I mean, if if a man in here, if every man in here would be honest, you say, preacher, hmm? had my bout with doubt. I mean, Abraham had a bout with doubt. I mean, will God really protect me? Will God really take care of me? I tell you what, Sarah, you say you're my sister, not my wife. You know what that was? That was about with doubt. Can God really protect me like he he said so you know what i'm not sure so i'm gonna scheme and faith is living without scheming but john but but abraham is scheming isaac had him jacob had him i doubt joseph that uh that 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 wasn't nice when he he put his head on the pillar and cried warm salty tears down his face into his pillow wherever he might have been in prison and wondered what in the world is going on. The boy who had received special dreams, now he's got shattered dreams. God, what are you up to? Hey, go ask him if he's the one or should we be looking for another? So sure enough, they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, John has sent us and want to know, are you the one or should we be looking for another? You know what Jesus did? Jesus went back to the word of God. Jesus says, hey, you tell John basically all the things that the Messiah is supposed to be doing is happening. Everything Isaiah said, Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, all these things that the Messiah is supposed to be doing, all the things that's happening. Tell John, I said, you see, these things are happening. In my mind's eye, those guys says, okay, we'll go back. And, 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 and Jesus would say, hey, 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 and listen to this. And tell him, blessed is he who's not offended in me. See, John is struggling. And that's what doubt is. It's a, it's a struggle. And guys, by the way, we say, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with struggling. But if you're going to struggle, struggle! Don't be tapped out and talking about you struggling. Don't concede the battle and then use Christian language talking about I'm, I'm struggling with anger. You ain't, you ain't struggling in a long time with your anger. You've given up on it. You tapped out. I'm struggling with pornography. Well, if you struggle, struggle. Fight. He's having a bout with doubt. And watch this. He's a little offended at how things are shaking out. Yeah. You know what an offense is? It's a, it's a, it's a stumbling block. John is stumbling over how things are working out. John is having a problem because things are not happening like he thought they would. 
That's what caused the bout with doubt. When things don't happen the way you had it planned. And can I tell you this? God ain't, God ain't against plans. God loves plans, but he hates presumption. And we, when we presume, like, like, like we've got a plan and it's got to work out the way I planned it. But God's ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. And while John is tripping and John is stumbling over the way Jesus is handling his business, he's a little offended. Ask him, is he the one or should we be looking for another? You know what he's saying? Because things ain't working out the way I thought they would. And he said, hey, go tell John everything that the Messiah is supposed to be doing is happening. And you tell him, I said, don't trip. <laughs> don't be... Don't be, don't be, hey, I got this. That's good for us to know. God is handling his business. And when it doesn't work out, you know, you can see how easily Joseph could have said, man, God gave me these dreams. And I thought I was on my way, man. I was working my way up to Potiphar's house and I'm the man. And then boom, back to prison. Wait a minute now. He's offended. Job, Job, turn over to Job 21. Hold your places there. Turn over to Job 21. I was reading in the book of Job, and you all remember Job was a great, is a great lesson on this. God just, God just used Job as a great example, right? And, 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 and by the way, Job doesn't have the perspective that you and I have. I mean, we know the end of the story and all that. Job had to live this all out in real time. Right? I mean, Job is the one with 10 fresh graves in the backyard. Job's wife says, go and encourage God and die. Get this over with. I mean, she's got 10 graves in the backyard. So look at Job, I think, uh, chapter 21. I just, many times as Job goes on these, not diatribes, but he goes on these things where he's just, he's just sort of speaking out loud. Are y'all with me this morning? He's kind of like speaking out loud his complaint. Listen to what he says. Let's begin at verse 20, we're in Job 21 and verse number 7. Wherefore do the wicked live and become old, yea, are mighty in power? Their seed is established in their sight with them and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. You know what Job is, Job is saying? Hey, man, I'm an upright man. I shoot evil. I'm trying to live for God. And my wicked neighbor, he don't have no trouble. What up with that? Their bulls gendereth and faileth not. Their cow calveth and casteth not her calf. Verse 10. They send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance. He's got children. His children are not dead. Now, 
Their cows, their, their business is going great guns. They're in the black. They don't even love God. They don't even tie their income. They don't even go to the church. They're wicked. And everything's coming up roses for them. And here I am with 10 fresh graves in the backyard and I got boils all over me and my friends are driving me crazy and my wife is telling me I need to curse you and die. And I look out the window and there's my neighbor over there and he's living high, wide, and handsome. Don't seem right. Verse 12, they, man, they're having a party over there. They take timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They're having a party over there. They spend their days in wealth. And in a moment, they go down the grave. In other words, they die without suffering. I'm suffering over here. Therefore, they say unto God, depart from us. They don't care a thing about God. Depart from us, for we, not the, the, uh, we don't desire uh, the knowledge of thy ways. In other words, I, we don't, they, he's living like he don't need no God. Everything's going good for them. You can't even witness to them. They don't need God. They got money in the bank. They got gas in the car. They got healthy children. Everything's coming up. Roses. They say, what is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have? In other words, we profited already if we pray unto him. I don't need God. We're, we're, we're already good. He said, that's my neighbor. That's the, that's the ungodly. And here I am trying to live for you, God, and I'm going through what I'm going through. I remember I, the devil used to, Pound me with that to sort of impugn the character of God. <laughs> As a young Marine, we barely got trying to make ends meet. We never got them to quite meet. We just got them close enough to wave at each other. But, <laughs> but I tried to. I was learning how to tithe my income and a tenth is the Lord's and all this. And dude down there, don't go to church, don't care about God, don't do this. He's got a brand new car, and I'm driving in chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Remember when they used to sell that leaded gas? You crank it up, it was hard to crank. Then you try to turn it off, it's still Wait a minute, I just turned this thing off. It won't even turn, I can't turn it on when I try to turn it on. Can't even turn it off when I'm trying to turn it off. I thank God, this ain't fair. Think of a nice car I could have if I wasn't tithing. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. You used to think that too. Job had that. You know what do you good sometimes? Read Psalm 73. Read Psalm 73, listen to, the, listen to the psalmist go on and on about this same kind of thing. He was, he was stumbling over how he was going through what he was going through, and the wicked are all prospering. That thing didn't get right in his mind until he finally went to church, and 
got in the company of God's people and got into the word of God. And he's, ah, man, I see it now. He had to be brought back. That's just but for a moment. Right? He said, my feet were about, I was about gone. I was about gone. I had, I had almost, I was almost wiped out this bout with doubt. I looked around, considered the ungodly, they having all, just what Job was saying. I was almost gone. He says, good thing I went to church. Good thing I got back in the company of God's people. Good thing I got back under the word of God. Good thing, because that gave me the kind of perspective I needed to, to get. You see by important, how important it is for the, the being community? Because the devil will get you all isolated out here and beat your brains out. So he's having doubt. Great men will have some doubt. Now, doubt is, is not unbelief. Unbelief is willful. Unbelief is a refusal to believe even though God has shown himself. Even though God has spoken clearly and you refuse to believe. That's why unbelief is wicked as hell. And that's why all unbelievers will have their part in the lake of fire. Doubt, on the other hand, is a struggle to believe. Doubt is the battle. Doubt is the bout. Doubt is what the, what the man in Mark 9, what the man at the foot of the mountain when Jesus came down, help my son. The devil's trying to kill him. Throw him in the water, throw him in the fire, trying to kill him. If you can do anything, help me. Jesus said, the question is not can I do it. The question is, can you believe? He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I, I do believe. I do believe, but I'm, I'm having some struggles. So he says, are you the one or should we be looking for another? Jesus said, go tell him everything is happening just like it's supposed to. And tell him, I said, I got this. Don't, don't stumble over the way I am doing my business. God's ways are higher and better than our ways. And if you're not careful, we'll get a little sideways with God because he's handling his business. Mary and Martha, you remember Mary and Martha? They had a brother. He got sick. They thought, hey, don't worry about it, pal. We're going to get Jesus. They called a the fellow, said, hey, go get Jesus. Tell him, Lazarus, the one you love is sick. They said, just hold on. Jesus is coming. Just hold on. Jesus loves you. Just hang in there. He'll be here in a minute. And the Bible says Jesus heard that and remained where he was. <laughs> seem right but he stayed right there where he was and now Lazarus ain't just sick Lazarus is dead now yeah one day dead two days dead three days dead four days dead stinking dead and Jesus shows up and Martha says Lord if you had been here my brother had not died don't tell me she's not having a bout with doubt. And don't tell me she and Mary hadn't been talking about it because when Mary finally gets out there, guess what she says? The same exact word. No girl been talking about this. 
Where is Jesus and why isn't he here? If he had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. We'll put out with Jesus. I mean, it'll happen right here, guys. Even if you never say it out of your mouth, it can happen right here. So go back and tell him, blessed is he who is not offended in me. And they take off. And I love this. Because when they leave, Jesus didn't look at the crowd and say, John the Baptist. I can't believe he talking about, am I the one? Or should we be looking for another? I can't believe he would even ask that question. That's not what Jesus did. You know what Jesus said to that crowd? I'm telling you, that's a great man. matter there's none born of women greater than John the Baptist Jesus didn't castigate him Jesus didn't cast him off Jesus Jesus affirmed his greatness he was a great man but he was having what great men will have from time to time and that's about with doubt when 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 things don't go the way we we thought that they would go and really we thought they should go. Now, how was John the Baptist great? There's a lot of questions about that. Was John greater than Moses? Was God, John, no, Moses the greatest. He was the lawgiver, the law of Moses. It certainly wasn't Moses' law, it was God's law, but Moses so embodied it, the law of Moses. Wasn't greater than Abraham in the sense that Abraham was the father of the nation. One greater than Joseph in the sense that Joseph, Joseph was the savior of the nation. He suffered so many people could be saved alive. Again, that's, that's a picture of Jesus suffering so that he might bring salvation to many people. And that was Joseph. In what sense was John greatest? He was greater in, in privilege than any man because he was the friend of the bridegroom. He, he was the one who would open the door. He was the one who would point directly. All the prophets in the Old Testament were saying, where is the lamb, where is the lamb, where is the lamb? John Baptist, who was not a part of the church, he was an Old Testament prophet, who, and by the way, didn't do any miracles. He said, here he is. And John was dead before the church was ever birthed. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he was... He was great in that sense. But Jesus said and affirmed his greatness. And yet we have this great man, so great and privileged, to lay his eyes on the one whom prophets before had longed to see. Great. And so Jesus said he's, he's a great man, even though he had, had a bout with doubt. So, guys, I, I learned a poem that's blessed my heart, and I'm going to quote it. I want you to listen to it. When in the storm, it seems to thee that he who rules the raging sea is sleeping still with bended knee, believe good things of God. When thou hast searched in vain to find the silver thread of love entwined and life's off-tangled web resign to believe good things of God. And should he 
smite thee till thy heart is crushed beneath the bruising smart, still while the bitter teardrops start. Believe good things of God. Tis true thou canst not understand the, the leading of thy father's hand, but trusting what his love has planned, believe good things of God. He, he loves thee in that love, confide, unchanging, faithful, true, and tried. Let now joy or grief betide, but believe good things of God. Thou canst not raise thy thoughts too high as spreads above the earth the sky, so his thoughts, thy thoughts outvie. So believe good things of God in spite of what thine eyes behold and in spite of what thy fears have told, still to his gracious promise hold and believe good things of God. Listen. For if in thine heart thou canst believe, thou shalt in his good time receive. We cannot have his love conceive. So let's believe good things of God. Let me say this. You're going to have the bout with doubt. Let me tell you what you do what I must do, what we, what we must all do. Do what John the Baptist did. When you're having a bout with doubt, take your doubts to Jesus. Do not allow doubt to harden into unbelief. You take your doubts to Jesus. If you say, I'm struggling, tell it to the Lord. Lord, I'm having some doubts, tell it to the Lord. Lord, I'm a little offended, tell it to the Lord. Lord, I think you sleep. David said, Lord, wake up, would you? Tell it to the Lord. And allow the Lord to take you back to the Word and back to church, back to the community of faith. You believe good things of God. Great men would be different. Great men must have daring. Great men will face difficulties. And hey, great men may have doubt. But let's take our doubts to Jesus. And let's believe good things of God. Father, thank you for, for my brothers. Thank you, God, for the great privilege you've given to us to share together and for speaking into our hearts and our lives. Not just with one voice, not just the voice of the preacher, but the voice of the praise team and the voice of those who've come to lead us with insights into worship uh, and for those uh, conversations that's happened around the tables and in the halls and in small groups. Thank you for speaking uh, and, and us hearing your voice in all these ways. And uh, God, help us to be men, great men, 
who believe good things of our God. Grant that it might be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. All right, let's thank, let's thank Kenny.